Hey, welcome back. We hope you enjoy listening to part two of this episode. All right, well, I chose a couple of movies that honestly, I don't know if I would choose them. Like, I think it was because of the age I was when I watched them that they really hit me at the time. And if I watched them at a different time, I don't know that it would have hit me quite so much. So the first one is War Games. And I think, I don't know how old I was, maybe like eight years old or something like that. But I was just young enough that when I watched all the tech things in it, like they just seem so grown up and realistic and amazing to me, you know? Yes, yes. Like if I was older, I might have been like, oh, that's not realistic or whatever. But but for me, that was like, it felt real. And it was like, wow, that's amazing. I want to be able to do something like that. And that actually got me interested in computers and like all things tech, really, you know. And a few of my favorite scenes kind of related to that, actually, was one was when David and Jennifer first get on the island and they're they're chased by this life-size flying remote-controlled pterodactyl. <laughs> and I just thought that was, uh, <laughs> like, I'm sure looking back on it, you know, like later, it wouldn't have seemed so realistic or whatever, but. At the time, I was like, oh, man, I really want one of those for Christmas so bad. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, another part was when when Dave uh, when David hacks hacks a payphone and he <laughs> I don't get it. I don't know if this is even possible, but, you know, and of course, probably is simplified in the movie, even if it is possible. But he like, you know, he unscrews this phone and finds a piece of metal like just wanders outside and finds a piece of metal on the ground i think it was like i don't know from a soda can or something and yeah. ba- basically hot wires the phone to make a call <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and i remember at the time like you know like eight years old or whatever it was uh you know i totally believe that was a legit thing that people could do and my mind was just like blown like whoa yes. <laughs> <laughs> guys like macgyver this yeah. guy's a genius. <laughs> you know? Save your change. You got to just do that every time. You know, it just felt like the movie was full of things like that, where it's just like, I'm sure in, as an adult, like it doesn't seem all that fantastic. But as a kid, man, that really hit me. Um, That's the other thing is it's the 80s, man. Like, you know, tech now, it's like whatever. But that back then, that was crazy. And the way he hacks into like the school and, oh, and changes right. the grade and stuff, right? Yeah, it's funny when <laughs> Paris Bueller does the same thing later. Yeah, he does it in that one too, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I was thinking um, David is like such a common name in movies. I looked it up. There's like a website that shows like how often, how common your name is in movies. And it says the name David appears in at least 198 films and is ranked number six on our lists. Nice. So, did you guys remember doing this like at the end of credits in the movies or whatever you would like look for your name and you'd be like that's who i am i got to do like that's my part or i was the key grip or you know something goofy because that was your name you remember doing that so what i do (laughs) what i do nowadays is even like in older movies that i go back and watch i see how far down the list until i stop recognizing a famous name oh there you go so like i'll try to see like Okay, who was the least popular person at that time, but that is still working now? Yeah, because things like that is kind of you know they interest me like that. Um, For sure, Ben. Ben, did you happen to do our names to see how, how many times we pop up? Yeah, Jonathan is an 
at least 37 films and is ranked oh, that's 257 some... on our list. <laughs> oh, crap. nice. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye. John, uh, spelled your way, J-O-N, is in at least 14 films. Ranked 725 on the list. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. that's popular. Ben yeah. is uh, in at least 157, ranked 16. Ooh, there we go. And Benjamin, let me look up Benjamin here. 28 films, that's 30, 348 on the list. But 16. Bernard that's good. Penny and Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard and Penny. How, how, what was my rank for Dave or David? Six. Let's nice. see. Dave was David was uh, number six on the list. Nice. And then Dave was in eighty-seven films. That's number sixty-seven on the list. So I'm even Dave was top one hundred. Yeah, yeah, top one hundred. Yeah. Dave. Nice. Dave is tied with Annie and Jerry. <laughs> nice. That's cool, man. I'd like to see that That's, link. That's fun. that is really cool. I love things like that. Yeah. So it's just like, kind of fun. Anyway, you know, like as far as like movies, it's just I don't know. It feels like oh, that movie just reminded me of a lot of different other kind of movies. Of course, there's you know it makes me think of Ferris Bueller just because of Matthew Broderick, and yes. I actually felt like Ferris Bueller would have been more like David if he took life more seriously. They both were smart, you know. <laughs> like yeah, could have been yeah. like that, you know. Applied um, himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it also uh, reminded uh, me of Cloak and Dagger. And it was one of yes. those things where these like kids can figure out things that adults can't, you know, and like some mystery going on and stuff like that. And then I felt like like in the 90s, they took this theme of some private citizen has to save the day because the government is, you know, too incompetent or corrupt. You know? <laughs> yes. Like there were so many. There's like Pelican Brief, Clear and Present Danger, just like all the John Grisham movies. Just like there was a movie after movie of of stuff like that kind of vibe you know like this intense avoid the bad guys defeat the government somehow kind of thing almost you know or save the government from themselves you know it's so interesting that you mentioned cloaking dagger not many people know that movie from back in the day at least i don't think they do i don't think i've talked to anybody that's known that movie i was literally just thinking about that movie this week that's so funny that you say that you know that movie makes me think of your dad it was, does, doesn't it? Oh my <laughs> gosh. It totally does. I know. That movie was seriously intense. I remember like half loving it and half being like kind of terrified the whole time. It, it, I don't oh, know. Sure. Just kind of freaked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a good one for sure. Yeah. Anyway, just a few uh, trivia things about it. Uh, that NORAD command center that they built for the movie cost a million dollars, which at the time made it the most expensive set ever constructed. The producers were not allowed into the actual NORAD, so they had to imagine what it was like. Um, <laughs> and the entrance into NORAD was used in Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Back to the Future 2, located in Griffith Park, Los okay. Angeles. And uh, that tunnel was used to enter and exit Toontown. Toontown, was, that's right. And it hmm. was the climax of the Back to the Future Part 2 thing, you know? Yeah, where Biff's chasing them in the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And then... And the Whopper, you know how the computer name was called Whopper, W-O-P-R. And that was a joke based on a real computer in NORAD that was once used to predict war strategies that, that was called B-R-G-R or Burger. <laughs> so they called it Whopper. Whopper. That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Just that, that movie was just real fun for me. And it made me feel like grown up almost like, you know. 
like oh wow i'm watching a serious movie that like grown-ups like you know <laughs> That's awesome. and the next movie's like kind of the flip of that it was space balls <laughs> sort of like made me feel like a childish kid there and that was probably the first movie i saw in the theater with friends and laughter of a theater full of young boys was just contagious you know like going back now i don't know that i'd laugh anywhere near as much but at the time you know Every little fart joke or whatever just uh, resonated with that age group that I happened to be at or was just getting at it, right? Me and John saw this movie in the theaters back uh, when it came out. And I still have somewhere, somewhere, my second grade journal, second or third grade, whenever it was, the next day where I wrote like, I have like three lines each day otherwise, but the day after Spaceballs, I have like three pages full of like just how funny it was and all the stuff that I thought was so awesome. So <laughs> totally can relate to the yeah movie with the friends and just laughing like crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I've told, and I've told Dave this a million times, I will watch Spaceballs over Star Wars any day of the week. I've seen <laughs> the Star Wars. All right. That's a lie. I saw the first three and then the first one. Uh, Phantom yeah. Menace. I haven't watched after that because to me, they suck. But I love Spaceballs. I think way better than Star Wars. Don't judge. Don't judge. But um, Spaceballs, one of my all-time favorites. Classic. No judgment. But, dude, it was funny in part because you could make the connections with what they were right. making fun of, too. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. But, uh, yeah, and so some of my favorite scenes was, like, the scene where Dark Helmet watches a video of himself in real time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, they put in a cassette of, like, the movie, you know, and they're like, let's fast forward to the part where, the you know, we're going to yeah. find out where they are. <laughs> Talk about a- breaking the fourth wall. Totally just busting through <laughs> yeah. it, man. I'd so never funny. seen anything like that as a kid before, yeah. you know? It was yeah. uh, totally new to me, and it was just made all that much more hilarious. Mel and of Brooks. course, Dark Helmet couldn't figure out what was going on. They're like trying to explain to him. This is <laughs> this is now now. <laughs> or whatever. I love it. When is then now? When? <laughs> Just now. <laughs> you know, the whole thing, the Mr. Coffee, Mr. Video. Mel Brooks uh, was a genius. Mel Brooks was yeah, just so an good. absolute genius for comedy. Well, basically, any a scene with Gogurt in it was hilarious to me. I, I desperately wanted something from the movie. And that was Spaceballs, the flamethrower <laughs> for Christmas. Yes. Mom yes. didn't approve, but I would have loved it. <laughs> and that scene with the dancing alien that busts out of some guy's belly. At the <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right. It was just so... Hello, like, my baby. Hello, my mama. He sings that whole song. You know? Yeah. Jarring yeah. with the rest of the movie, and yet it fit just with the rest of the movie. You know, like... Oh, so good. Did not expect that coming. And yet, uh, you know, just, of course, a callback to that Warner Brothers dancing frog, you know, and and of course, aliens, you know. So it was like a double whammy right there. <laughs> they matched the two together. Yeah, I love the the guy that's telling the joke just before he's like starts laughing and choking. Yeah. And I don't remember. I don't remember exactly what it was about. He's like we on Pluto. And he's like, how do you know? Because of the bark, you dummy. And then he's like, ah, he starts laughing and he can't stop laughing. And then it comes out of his stomach. It's so great. Yes. He's like, get him some water. Forget water. Get him some Pepto-Bismol. Yeah. It's so funny. It just, you know, of course it makes you think of Star Wars, but also just any spoof movie. Like when I watch right. that, it makes me think of Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Hot Shots, Airplane, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You know, back in those days, there were so many movies that just like made fun of other stuff we knew, you know, whether it was, um, you know, Robin Hood or King Arthur. You know what I mean? It's just there was so much stuff like that back then. And 
And even like a lot of those movies you just listed are three of those were all Mel Brooks movies. Yeah. The Robin Hood Men in Tights is definitely one of my favorites too because it has Wesley from The Princess Bride. Um, also, that just happens to be Dave Chappelle's first movie that he was ever in. But you're right. As far as spoof movies go, it's just not the same now as it used to be. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's just a different... It just doesn't have that same feel as just straight up funny that it used to, like with Spaceballs and Robin Hood Men in Tights and everything. Yeah. yeah. Some uh, trivia that I looked up with that was interesting to me. The skate pod launch sequence is actually an unused clip from Star Wars Episode Four that was. Oh, no way. To, yeah, it's provided to Mel Brook by Lucasfilm. That was pretty awesome. I did not know that. And then the Spaceballs coloring book that was they was just a Transformers coloring book with the logo changed. You could even see Optimus <laughs> Prime on it. <laughs> I great. think I had heard that one. That is hilarious, man. Steve Martin was the original choice for Colonel Sanders. I don't know. It stood out among all those like other kinds of movies that are spoof movies as you know, just really hit me at the, the age that I was at. It was just perfect. That's awesome, man. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes is the way you just talked about Colonel Sanders is with when they go yeah. ludicrous speed, right? Yeah. Yes. To... <laughs> What's wrong, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? I mean, come yeah. on. How great is come that? Come on. How great and perfect is that? <laughs> and then one of my other favorite scenes, when he's trying to get the, the code to get into Druidia, the airlock, yeah. to get into Druidia, and he's threatening to give back the princess's old nose with the whole, what's the combination? One. One, one, two, 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 three, three, three. It's like, and then he goes, one, two, three, four, five. That's the kind of combination that idiot would have in us luggage. And then the president comes in and he goes, yeah, man, that's the exact combination I have on my luggage. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Such a great movie. And then Rick Moranis, he's just amazing because he stopped yeah. acting because and yeah. it wasn't too long after this. I think he still did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or Blew Up the Kid after this. But he stopped acting in Hollywood. He gave up the life to take care of his wife who was dying. I heard he's going to make a comeback, which would be awesome. Also, you touched on John Candy and Rick Moranis, you know, suggesting him. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is actually doing a documentary on John Candy right now. Oh, wow. Uh, with the permission of John Candy's family. So that should be wow. very interesting. Yeah, I'd definitely wow, yeah. look forward to watching that because Ryan Reynolds is also Canadian. So <clears throat> Rick Moranis is so good in that movie. Like I had heard that he um, that scene where he's playing with the action figures, like he just <laughs> improvised that whole thing that they just like he he was just did it and they came in and that's so funny, man. He's just great in it for sure. No, I did not see you playing with the girls again, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I feel like the Colonel Sanders name like was built around that line or vice versa, like one or the other. You know what I mean? Like it was just to get that in. Yeah. Right? And you yeah. need a, you know, you need a military rank. So they're like, Oh, it's a Colonel Sanders. And they're like, we got to get the chicken line in there for sure. So yeah. anyways, that's, that's funny. Can't forget uh, Michael Winslow from police Academy. Yes. Police you know? Yeah, exactly. I love that line too. that whole scene. All right, so my favorite movies that I picked for tonight, and like I said earlier, it, it's so hard. Dude. There's so many good 80s movies, man. They were just different back then. But my favorite two that I picked are uh, Back to the Future. Um, and you guys know, Ben and John especially, you know how much I watched this movie. This movie was the first movie I saw in the theater. It came out in 85, and I have like big memories of actually being there. And I just remember always 
um, saying that, that that was like the first movie I saw in the theater. And then we got it on VHS and I watched the crap out of that movie. Like for sure. <laughs> I watched it so much. Um, and I don't know. I have a bunch of favorite scenes um, when they introduced the time machine. So awesome. You know, um, the DeLorean, um, he puts Einstein, the, the dog, in to, to ride the car. He controls the car with a remote control, RC, like, car remote. Um, that was so awesome. Um, he uses plutonium to power it, and the flux capacitor is what makes time travel possible. And uh, I don't know. It's just, it's awesome. Another great scene is, of course, Biff chasing Marty on his skateboard. I got into skateboarding. I mean, I'm not like a skater by any means, but I got a skateboard because of this movie. I learned how to skateboard. I got one of those old banana boards. They're really like narrow and it was super flexy. Like I, I learned how to balance really well on that as like a seven-year-old because because uh, I was so into this movie. But anyways, I love how Marty like invents the skateboard by taking the girl's uh, scooter or whatever and just ripping off the handle part. And hanging on to the cars. I thought that was the coolest thing ever, is hanging on to those cars. Um, and then, of course, the end. You know, George standing up to Biff is is the best. Like, this guy that just is so shy and so, like, awkward and so whatever. And he thinks he's got to pretend to stand up to Marty. And it turns out that it's actually the, the biggest bully. And he stands up to him. And not only stands up to him, but knocks him out. I love that. It's so good. I always wondered, though, like, I think it's good. Cause it kind of shows that he, he's really committed, but like, you know, he takes out Biff, which was like the biggest thing ever. And then he goes to dance and then this goofy, annoying guy cuts in and dances with Lorraine and George is about to like, just give up. And, uh, you know, Marty's disappearing or whatever else. He's like, come on, George. And then he comes back around and, and knocks him down and, and it, you know, it's like a second win and it's good. Like I said, it kind of, it proved his loyalty and that he's, you know, really changing who he is, but there's tons of good scenes. It makes me think of, of course, um, well, a lot of movies. But first of all, because this was so influential to me at a young age, I was convinced that Michael J. Fox was like the best actor ever. <laughs> I was like, there's nobody better than Michael J. Fox. And then, you know, I saw Teen Wolf and uh, we were watching back in the day Family Ties. So those two things like, you know, solidified and reinforced that that theory in my mind. But then some somewhere around there came along like doc hollywood and i was like okay maybe not <laughs> like realized yeah he's he's okay but not not really um but man being into gymnastics and then seeing teen wolf do that handstand and backflip on a moving van i was like and yeah. you know back then i was like that's michael j fox he did that like you know i didn't even had an idea about stuntmen or anything like that so like michael j fox was top of the list for me for sure and you know for me like christopher lloyd that was what well, i was oh, yeah. sold on him too he was like amazing in that movie like yeah. so good and that's where like i first saw him and i i don't remember what the next thing i saw christopher lloyd in but i was like wait that's doc that's doc brown like i didn't you know what i mean like <laughs> he was so good as dr emmett brown that like seeing him in another role was like another human being like it was not you know what i mean have you ever seen that? What is it? Cartoon called Rescue Bots, and they have like the scientist in there is basically just a you know like it's a knockoff of him. <laughs> yeah, it's I hilarious. haven't seen that, but no, it's awesome. There's so many things that that call back to to Back to the Future. It is one yeah. of those timeless movies. But you know, it's it's crazy. There's some things that are like this teenager in high school is hanging out with this mad scientist, like old adult 
guy at like meeting him in a parking lot at two in the morning. Like some of those things are like, no way. And the like the interactions and the tension with the mom is like kind of crazy, but, but really it's, it makes the whole story just out of this world and awesome. So uh, some trivia, the rights to the movie actually belong to uh, Robert Zemeckis, who was the director and Bob Gale. Um, and in 2015, Zemeckis said there would be no reboots or remakes in his or Gale's lifetime. So they like will not allow that to happen, which kind of like you said, uh, John, about uh, Princess Bride, like the, a reboot just it wouldn't hit. Right. That's exactly um, why he bought the rights to it is so that they would never remake it, which was awesome. Yeah. And I, <laughs> you know, I might as well bring it up, but I, I love the first one and I, I really like uh, Back to Future 2 and 3. Um, but but the first one is like the classic and timeless for me forever. Um, yeah. I didn't like how in two and three, for me, they introduced this like chicken complex that kind of annoyed me. I didn't feel like that went with uh, Marty's character. I mean, it's not too big of a leap, but I, it always kind of bugged me a little. And it, it just had kind of some darkness and some other things that I just didn't really appreciate as much. So in, uh, in 2010, during a cast reunion, Michael J. Fox said that the strangers still call him McFly constantly. Fox said the most remarkable instance was when he was in a remote jungle in the South Asian country, Bhutan, located between China and India and the Eastern Himalayas. A group of Buddhist monks passed him, and one of them looked at Fox and said, Marty McFly. No <laughs> way. <awesome. laughs> yeah, dude. The script was rejected 44 times before it was finally greenlighted, which is nuts to me. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Universal Pictures head uh, Sid Scheinberg didn't like the title Back to the Future, insisting that nobody would see a movie with future in the title. In a memo to Robert Zemeckis, he said that the title should be changed to Spaceman from Pluto. This is true. <laughs> tying, tying in with the Marty as alien jokes in the film and also suggested further changes like replacing the I'm Darth Vader from Planet Vulcan line with I am a Spaceman from Pluto. Scheinberg was persuaded to change his mind by a response memo from Steven Spielberg, which thanked him for sending a wonderful joke memo and that <laughs> everyone got a kick out of it. Scheinberg was too proud to admit he was serious, gave in to letting the film retain its title, which is, man, what a save. If I got a letter from Steven Spielberg like that, I would not admit that to being real as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, great. yeah, 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 exactly. Glad you liked the joke. I've been to Universal Studios, and if you've ever been, Two things they have there, which are kind of cool to, to see up close. One was they actually have a Back to the Future ride where you yep. get to go in this little DeLorean and, you know, just the, the car moves or whatever. And you're going through this like 3D screen or whatever, which is it was really cool. But then also you get to take the universal, the whole universal tour. And part of that includes the town square. Yeah, the, the clock, clock tower. tower that, yeah, which yep. is pretty cool because you also see that in tons of other movies. Once you see it in person, you're like, oh. That's Bruce Almighty. I've seen that, you know, in War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. The whole plane oh, no that crashes in the beginning, it's still there. Like, they just have it there. Wow. Awesome. Awesome if you ever get the chance to do it. Yeah, okay. so Ben and I, we got to go, I think, in like 88 or 89. Does that sound right, Ben? Do you remember? Yeah, I think so. It might have been even earlier because I'm pretty sure we went, we got to tour that clock tower area, and they talked about how it was going to be in two and three, right? Yeah. Remember that, Ben? Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I was so like excited. And then seeing the DeLorean there too was, was super awesome. I was like, maybe an adult, if not just like older teenager, when I figured out that Jigawa isn't pronounced Jigawa. 
I remember just like that was how he said it. Like growing up forever, I was like, yeah, gigawatts. No, it's gigawatts, but no, it's gonna always be one point twenty one gigawatts. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, my other pick is Ferris Bueller, uh, another movie that super influenced me back in the day. Um, and another one that made me think that the main actor was like the best ever, Matthew Broderick. War Games was awesome. I loved uh, Project X, if you've seen that one, where he helps the yeah. train the monkeys that fly the planes and stuff. Oh, so good. Um, and he's done a bunch of other great ones. Michael J. Fox, Matthew Broderick, both like best actors of all time for me. And then uh, Kevin Bacon was another one. That for some reason, I thought was like, Oh man, these guys are amazing. And then I learned that uh, they're not so they much, weren't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not not the best, but they they are good. Favorite scenes from Ferris Bueller. I love it. This is like I think my favorite of the whole of the whole movie is when Cameron, his best friend, calls Ed Rooney the principal and pretends to be Sloan Peterson's dad, talking about yeah. how her grandmother dies or whatever. Yeah, and and Ed Rooney thinks it's Ferris Bueller, and he's going off on him. He's like, "I got him." And the the secretary is so great in it, Grace, right? I love Grace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she comes in and she's like so shocked, and he's like, "Don't worry, it's Ferris Bueller. I got him right where I want him." And he's totally messing with them, totally saying all this stuff. And then Ferris Bueller calls the perfect time to say, uh, you know, to get on the other line, and Grace gets it, and she's like, "Ferris Bueller's on line too. And Ed Rooney is just like mouth open <laughs> goes to the other line doesn't say a word just ferris bueller just says something about needing his homework after school and having his sister take it home or something like that and then he switches back and he's like <clears throat> and cameron just goes off on him as mr peterson still or whatever and it's so good and he has grace running around trying to figure out where sloan is so he can get her out and then at one point grace gets on the phone <laughs> and she's like trying to be like ed rooney she's like oh, oh. <laughs> i just it's a great scene i love it other great scenes of oh, the parade scenes great um i love how like they're in the middle of this huge crowd and ferris gets on a float and sings and it's awesome like how the whole crowd gets into the song too and like there's like a dude that does like this humongous backflip somehow and i don't i don't know how but i loved that that was in there and all the times that, uh, that Ed Rooney's trying to get in the house is great, too. Like the whole trying to break in while he's in there, the doorbell, the dog, the falling in the mud, like all of it. It's just great. Mm -hmm. You're right. The secretary played a great role. She's been in a lot of movies, actually, but she's she was just really funny. And I like how she's trying to explain how popular he is to, yeah. to Ed Rooney. She's like, he's a righteous dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that line yeah. she cracks me up every time. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I love the part where he's uh, gets on the bus. The principal gets on the bus, and like everybody's looking at him, and and the late the girl offers him some gummy bears in her pocket. And just you can just see how miserable he is. Yeah, like his chewed up leg and everything, and it's it's just hilarious. And the other yeah, part I love fun. about it was just how like Ferris and Cameron, like the chemistry between those two guys, like they. Just, just they're so different in personality and yet they just bounce off each other so well Ferris Bueller you're my hero <laughs> just yeah I don't know like the difference in their personality just blended together so well I thought absolutely and that's actually you know that's what I uh, thought about when I thought about like what does this movie remind me of there were a lot of shows and movies like that where like the main characters this like super cool guy and then they have this like sidekick kind of friend that um 
you know, was super helpful, either like really smart or had these like skills or talents, but they also were like legit friends, which was awesome. And I agree. I, I totally like that. I remember as a kid with like every one of those shows and movies, my like, I don't know why my super inflated, like kid ego. I was like, I'm like that guy. I'm like the cool guy. And I wasn't even like the helpful friend. I was like, neither. I was super lame. So it's kind of funny. So some trivia during the parade, several of the people seen dancing, including the construction worker and the window washer originally had nothing to do with the film. They were simply dancing to the music being played. And John Hughes found it so humorous that he told the camera operators to record it. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. That is sweet. Yeah. Oh, and the, when uh, Ferris has to run home, that scene's all great too, for sure. Like, that is crazy. Yeah. 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 The mom and sister screaming at each other in the car, the dad like getting stuck behind the grandma and him running right beside him, like running through the house. It was, it's great. Uh, so John Hughes told Ben Stein, who had a degree in economics, to present an actual economics lecture in his scenes. Hence, nothing Stein said, aside from the roll call, is scripted. So he just, that was all legit. He just said it with a way that was super obnoxious and boring. You know, and, it, and it's crazy because, you know, Ferris Bueller being as popular as it was back in the day, how many movies have emulated, at least to some degree, the line Bueller, oh, yeah. Bueller because of Ben Stein? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's still totally a line that gets brought up like at work, like on a Zoom call. You still right. like, you know, people will use that if nobody comments or whatever. Like they'll be like Bueller, Bueller. I mean, it's twenty twenty three. Like we're still doing that. So it's teachers timeless. do it. Yeah, it's just, teachers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's great. It's still like it's a legit line. <laughs> Another trivia fact: uh, the shot of Ferris playing the clarinet was done on the spot. Someone spotted the instrument as part of the set, and Matthew Broderick said he could play it, which of course he could. So. That's him just jamming on a clarinet and having no clue what he's doing. Never had one lesson. <laughs> All right. So those are six fantastic movies that we just went over. We did our fat, dumb, and happy for all of them. And actually, I learned quite a bit. And, you know, part of the beauty of this podcast is, you know, just being able to go back and remember these times that we shared together, remember these times we had growing up. And, you know, those six movies are definitely nostalgic for all of us. And, they all stood the test of time. Like, they're all great flicks, right? But I think that for me, and you guys might agree, might disagree, my all-time favorite childhood movie was The Goonies. I love The Goonies. It's probably my all-time fave. There is so many just quotable moments from the T-shirt that David is wearing to Sloth saying, hey, you guys, uh, Dave, they can't see that. Um, I know. I'm just still showing it off. Truffle shuffle, baby. Chunk. Yeah. I mean, just from the beginning, man, it's just, it, it catches you in with the police chase and um, Chunk spreading his pizza and then he's spilling a strawberry milkshake on the window yeah. and getting it all over himself. <laughs> How does it explode all load like that? I have no idea. It didn't have a lid. It didn't have a lid on it. And then, but still, it like shoots out, man. It's crazy. Everywhere. All yeah. over. So, Tell me, what was you guys' favorite parts, and was that one of your faves? Oh, yeah, dude, for sure one of my favorites. I love that it's, like, these kids, you know, that take on this huge adventure. It's scary. It's crazy. But they do it. So as a kid, you're like, man, it makes you excited to be able to do that, something like that. And one of my favorite scenes of all time is Chunk's confession, where he's talking about all the things <laughs> <laughs> that he's done in his life. Like, everything, everything. And he's like, okay, I'll talk. And he shares just like the craziest stuff. What about you, Ben? 
Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's so so hard to narrow it. It's just so so many cool things about it. But I I just remember thinking, like I don't know, just as a kid, the excitement of finding a treasure map was so I yeah. don't know, like deep rooted in my dreams and everything. Like I remember as a kid, like when we have friends over and like hiding an old map that we found. <laughs> And yeah, like dude. underneath our, our, our closet or something. Oh my goodness, look what's here. You know, pretend like we <laughs> just found it. Yes. Like that was the, the idea of it was just so was so invigorating and exciting, you know. And of course, all the little like booby traps and things like that going down the water slide at the end, you know, to the <laughs> yeah. boat. It's just like, I mean, it was ridiculous, but it was hilarious, you know, it's just fun, it's just exciting. Yeah. And every character is great. I mean, Mama Fratelli. Yeah. I mean, she's so old and and scary and like tough. She was and perfect for that part. Yeah. Perfect for that part. Yeah, yeah. Mouth, Chunk, Data. You know, all of them are so good for sure. What Data, else? his little inventions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love slick that. shoes. Yeah, slick shoes and the the light and the chompers that saved his life. What it, yeah, what is it called? The uh, Pinchers of Power or something like Pinchers that. Pinchers of Power, I think, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And then that mouth they... was fantastic, yeah. Yeah, that's another one of my favorite scenes is when he's translating for the just... for Rosita. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's perfect Spanish. It was great translation. And now that I speak Spanish and listen to it again, I'm like, that is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and I think Ben touched on it, you know, or one of you guys did just a minute ago. You felt like you were going on this treasure hunt with them. Yeah, and and it was really cool. And then, you know, to watch them go through with all the, the booty traps um, that they had, and yeah. and then watch uh, you know the Fratellis try to catch them and everything like that. It was just an amazing movie, and I think probably one of the coolest things. And this is just a random fact that I actually remember about the movie, and that's that you know when they they hid the pirate ship from from yeah. the whole cast, uh, so that they could get their like, genuine reaction to it for the first time when they actually saw it uh, yeah. in the movie. And so, you know, it was just, it was amazing. Like they had to build that thing and it was just like, you know, I don't know because they didn't really have much CGI back then. So, you know, it just, it was pretty dang amazing. It was just such a great, fun, hysterically funny movie. Yeah. I liked how they had emotional parts, you know, where like yeah. Goonies never say die. And you know, like the, like the younger brother is like giving them a pep talk about like, you know, like we've got to do this. And as a kid, that felt emotional like that pulled on my heartstrings yeah. and everything, you know. Yeah. This is our time. Our time down here. Yeah. Next time we're in a different yeah. school, taking a test. It'll be in a different school. Yeah, he goes, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Was that oh, him or man. Mouth? I thought Mouth was giving that. In no, the that was no. Yeah, no, no, no. It was uh, and then Mikey, Mikey. It was Mikey that's doing it. Yeah, it, mouth was was saying that like this was my wish, this was my dream. Yeah. So I'm taking yeah. it back. I'm taking them all back. And then when uh, right. yeah, and then when um, Andy is gonna go up the well, that's when he come. Mikey comes in and says, he right. gives his speech. She's okay, like, yeah, I'm not yeah. a goonie. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah dude, good it's so good. good. Yeah, just such a great movie, man. It's. I will watch that one at least five or six times a year. I'm not going to lie. That's like honest numbers for me. I can watch <laughs> it. Awesome. And I don't know why. I don't actually remember seeing that in the theaters. I really don't. I'm no. sure I did. But I don't I remember. don't think I did. No, I don't think I did either. I think I saw it on VHS first and it just became an all-time favorite. And I watched it so many times that I 
Yeah, I pretty much memorized it. And I always oh. remember this is something at the very end when they're like talking to the police and they're all like hyper and they mention the octopus. Do you guys remember this? Yeah. And yeah. you're like, what? Are they just like making something up? That's a deleted scene, actually. They did this whole thing with an octopus that didn't make it into the movie, but they kept that in, I guess. I don't know. Oh. I wish they kept those deleted like deleted scenes. I don't know. Is it on a like the DVD or anything? Or yeah, remember? it's on the DVD is where you can see it. That's how I knew. Oh, yeah. I gotta check that out. It's not great, so it's like a good call oh. probably that they took it out, but like it's funny <laughs> that they reference it like in the movie still, they yeah. in the final cut or whatever. What part yeah. I've never seen it. What part was the octopus supposed to be in? Like by the pirate ship? Yep. Yep, out in the in the in the caves or whatever. The pirate so yeah. the, the octopus got stuck in the cave with the pirate ship. I guess. Yeah. And I don't really remember it even super well. I've only seen seen the deleted scene like once, but uh yeah, it's uh it's goofy. So there's a Netflix movie, it came out a couple of years ago maybe, called Finding Ohana, and it's basically like Hawaiian Goonies. It's it's modern and it's not like a total reboot, so it, it's different enough that like it's a its own movie and kind of stands on its own, but it's definitely pays tribute to the Goonies. In fact, it has the actor who played Data in it, and there's some definite callbacks to it. And, and it's a good time. Like I wouldn't put it side by side with Goonies by any means. But it's a good time. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much, guys, for listening. We had a great time. You know, 80s movies, like I said in the beginning, there's so many good ones. We could definitely come back and do this again. So if you have some favorites that you'd want us to talk about, just give us a five-star review. Uh, please don't don't hesitate to rate and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, we love you guys. And thanks, Ben and John, for being on again, man. Great time with you guys for sure. And remember to stay fat, dumb, and happy. Bye, guys. See you later. Awesome.